your social media at like we're gonna we're gonna start going into a little bit more you yourself um you know this podcast is about you but right. your social media at isn't the typical at professional runner why did you choose flamingo and if you're yeah. all knowing would you say what would you say our social media animal is josh you're a damn what is it nitty lion what, what's your mascot wolf oh the 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 lobo yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that, that like was that we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. You got, yeah, there it is. And <laughs> I would say you look like a damn sloth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get to those big races, it feels like you got a little bit more pressure on you. But, you know, the thing is, you got to wake up the next day. You got to brush your teeth. You got to put on your uniform. And, you know, everybody puts their uniform on the same way, one leg at a time. I never met, I never met a, bu- a motherfucker. <laughs> that jumped into his uniform if, if i if i meet someone like that then i need i need to make sure that i lose him the next day with josh kerr all right here david ribbage josh kerr david ribbage josh kerr's for real fastest c2 1500 josh kerr on the outside way up front now is david ribbage All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Sit and Kick. I'm your host, David Ribich. And I'm your better host, Josh Kerr. Today, we're sitting and kicking it with our first world champion. Him and I first met at an NCAA press conference. And because he met me, he went on and followed my footsteps to set an NCAA record. <laughs> However, this man was able to follow that up with a perfect record in the indoor 60 and the outdoor 110-meter hurdles for three years running. Not only that, he is the only hurdler who associates himself as a distance runner by wearing short shorts. It is Grant Holloway. How you doing, my guy? I'm doing good, brother. How you been? Yeah, not not been too bad. This quarantine's been a bit boring, but you know we're getting the training in, so it it is what it is. But before I get any further, why don't you have like a a cool camera intro like Devin Allen? You know, why don't you have something to do with <laughs> See, like? I'm very roses? I'm very OG. Like if you look in the back, I got my pictures up. I'm I'm <laughs> cool. I'm cool. I'm very OG. I got my regular streaming camera that I'm using. It, it gets the job done. You know, like they say. You can have the ugliest car in the world. As long as it gets you to point A to point B, you can smile and be happy about it. That's very true. You can be the only guy that's the 110 men's world champion. So, yeah, I see where you're coming from. (laughs) Yeah, well, you got your your photos in the back. And he uh, Devin has his intro for his race. But we actually put together a Grant Holloway intro for our podcast. Uh, Typically, we run our intro for our episode. But just to uh, flatter you, we'll go ahead and run your podcast intro so josh if you want to click play grant you can get a, a sneak peek look at it see now, now you dave's making me hit some technical work here so it's gonna it's gonna <laughs> here, let me let me slide it over into the chat there there we go. Go. you know it's got, oh, i got it i got it can you guys hear this start Florida junior Grant holloway remember he's the twice defending champion once in a lifetime athlete to come through your program he reminds me of some of the great technicians. And in his first world championship appearance, 21-year-old American Grant Holloway. The blinding start. The young American is out ahead of the Olympic champion and world champion. Grant Holloway at 21. Can he hang on? Grant Holloway is a world champion. On the view. How about that? Holloway's go right. He sets off around the Khalifa Stadium. Grant Holloway for the USA. Dude, that gives me goosebumps, man. I was lit. I wish I could see it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we don't have a, a video we'll get, montage. We'll get, we'll get you the video afterwards. Just sadly, this isn't a video podcast, so we didn't need to put that work in yet. <laughs> yeah. So, no, dude, I'm sitting there, and, you know, Dave Dave made that, and I was like, crap, dude, that, that gives me goosebumps. How many times you watched that race back? Uh, 
Man, that race is... I'd watch it now more so for film, you know? Not more so to remind myself of who I am, but more so to be like, okay, this is what I was at uh, a couple... I don't want to say a couple months ago. This is where I was at in October. Okay, how can I how can I get better? You know, what do I what did I do wrong in that race that I can fix in practice today? And you know, I just play that race over and over and over again. But like I had two like great races this year. It was world championship semifinals and then it was SEC uh semifinals. Those were my two best races. So I usually watch those races and I say, Okay, what what can we fix? What can we do? And my thing is a year ago, I was nowhere near where I am now. And then I, I hope when 2021 comes for the for Tokyo, I hope I'm better than what I am now in a year a year ahead. So like the thing is, it's always progress for anything. Yeah, you said you went ahead and like watched that now for film. How many times did you watch the reactions of your high school track team watching you win that world championship? Because like that, that was, video um, circulated and that yeah. that was absurd. Yeah, that was crazy. So like I I graduated three years ago from that high school. Which is um, weird to say. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's very weird to say because basically, like my presence is still felt there. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like I'm far removed. It's like I literally just left there not too long ago. Like I'm walking the homes. I was in that forum watching football film. You know, I was in there playing hide and seek with some of the homies. Like it's just I know that school like the back of my hand, and like to see that and see them packed like packed in like sardines. It was it was remarkable. You know, and it's yeah. one of the things where I always. I always say thank you, you know, to to those like Brent Nieder and um, Michael Sauer. They set up my they, they set everything up in there. And like, you know, it was just a lot of, you know, a lot of them basically saying, like, look, Grant's about to run because, you know, I, I think over in Doha I was around about I think it was like I want to say if it was four o'clock there, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I want to say it was either eleven. It was either ten or eleven o'clock where I was running. So like it worked out perfectly. And, you know. I see where everybody was. Like I had one of my homies here at my house watching it. They're they're in the forum, the forum in Grassfield. I got my some of my teammates at uh, University of Florida watching it on the big screen. It's just everybody was all over, and just to see their reactions is remarkable. I know um, when when we were getting prepared for Doha, we had to get kind of ready for the heat and and this and that. Was it? you know we didn't spend a lot of time in the heat to be fair like maybe maybe a little bit in in practice or stuff beforehand but like on race day you know everything was cooled down and and all all the call rooms and stuff like that was was all nice and cool did you do any like heat stuff going in or no Nah. so you you know how it is in florida big dog it's already hot yeah that's true (laughs) you just go out there like we put water on the track to make sure we don't burn our hands and our fingers (laughs) we put some water on our knees when we're in the blocks and we just keep going like the thing is it's already hot here in Florida. So, like, mm. when we went to Doha, it was just the humidity, you know. But yeah. the biggest thing was is I like Doha a lot because of the – I like the heat. Like, I really do. Now, yeah. it was it was hot out there. But still, like, for me to be able to train and for me to be able to do anything, it was just – it was remarkable. Yeah. I think, you know, something that was interesting for me and, and we've spoken out – me and David spoken out before is I um, I kept on the U.S. time schedule. Uh, and I was going to bed at 6 a.m. and waking up at 4 p.m. because I was racing at 11 p.m. at night. Yeah. So I was like, you know, if, if that works for me, that's what that's what we worked with. Did you do anything like that? Did you get straight? It's like an 11 hour time difference. Or yeah. Something. I I converted. So like when I first got there, I was waking up at two o'clock in the afternoon, 
having practice at five o'clock and then I would eat again and fall back to sleep. And like, I, I did my best to try to get on their time schedule. Mm. But the weird thing was when I, when I came back to Florida afterwards, I automatically switched back onto our time. And like, it was the weirdest thing. Like I didn't have no jet lag on my way back, but wow. um, it was, it was weird because I came back on the day that we, we were playing Auburn in a football game. No, we're, yeah, we we're playing Auburn in the football game. And I literally went to the football game acting like, like nothing had happened. And of course, I was around coaches and, you know, family members that knew I just won Worlds. But like literally, like I went to a football game as like a normal person. Like I got back in my normal routine like real fast. Nice. Uh, other than arriving in a Porsche and coming back in first class. <laughs> yeah, right? you think I arrived in a You were back in my damn house. <laughs> Man, so right now it's kind of like a, a weird time. Um, in terms of races and and things that are looking in for the foreseeable future like usa just had that announcement that there'll be no usa championships and what are you like over social media we're starting to see more and more of these self um prepped officiated races like we had noah lyles down in birmingham um which i actually raced at for the division two championships there's a plug for d2 um img academy holds hosted that but um so we had like noah lyles and his group we had um like michael norman and ray benjamin all that like um, as more of these races are happening at the professional level, like what are your thoughts there? I understand that everybody's in like a, everybody's like in a tough time with it. So like the thing is, is, you know, you got to get in where you fit in. And the biggest thing is, is like, I know most people are ready to run. I'm ready to run. Um, I'm having good training sessions. Just, it's literally just me out there on the track now. So like, those are the best days when it's literally you and the whole track and your coach. Yeah, we saw you tweet at Devin Allen. You guys going to try to hit up something for a, a little race yeah, there? Yeah, so Atlanta's been hosting, of course, as you know, these little Atlanta track series. So mm-hmm. it's like, why not, you know, get some good races in with good competition? You know, Devin's yeah. a 13-0 guy. I'm, I'm a 13-0, I'm a 12-9 guy. So, like, why not get two people on a track and just go at it? You know, at this point, you know, you're still training. There's no major you know major victory or major clause like really you're just going out there competing and you know having fun so the biggest thing is now like i'm reaching out to everybody and you know i'm reaching out i reached out to Devin. um i had reached out to omar but then i had got with the omar that he wasn't going to run any hurdles this year so i didn't even like try to reach out but like you know Devin, freddie crittenden like i reached out to both of them i think elite harris might even try to show up so like the biggest thing is is just you know you find people that you can run with you guys all get on the track, and of course, you know, right now it's every other lane. Get in every other lane, run as fast as you can, and, you know, put a big time out there to put everybody on notice for next year. Yeah, for sure. We um, we actually opened up uh, last week. We ran, I ran a K over in uh, in Oregon, and we did what it was. It was um, we had to do two tests within eight days before the race. We all had to wear masks when we were arriving, and uh, the races were five people, I think, max. And, you know, it was good. It was good to get out there. I mean, the track wasn't, you know, it wasn't the flashy, you know, big stand. No one was there. No one was allowed to go in. But, you know, it, it was fun. Uh, and it, it does give us a bit more motivation when we're going out and working our asses off every day to have something to look forward to and kind of show off, you know, how fit we're getting. But, you know, versus, you know, when you were in the NCAA and you were doing all these other events and you had classes and stuff like that, what's, what's different in your day? What's made you being able to focus more on what makes you better? You napping? Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> like, you know how it is. If you got to focus on... If you got to focus on doing this event, that event, and that event, one event's going to get left out at the end of the day. I mean, you could say, oh, I'm going to put all my focus in all three, but one event's going to get left out at the end of the day. And if it doesn't get left out, then that's just one of the things. So the biggest thing is right now is just 
you know, you figure out what you got to do. And then from there, you, you know, you figure out what you got to, you got to handle. So like now I'm just really taking care of one thing by one and really just, you know, taking care of my body. Like I literally, I do yoga, Pilates, acupuncture, got a massage therapist, and I'm able to do all those things, you know, within your social media at like we're gonna we're gonna start going into a little bit more you yourself um I, you know this podcast is about you but right. your social media at isn't the typical at professional runner why did you choose flamingo and if you're yeah. all knowing would you say what would you say our social media animal is josh you're a damn what is it nitty lion what, what's your mascot wolf oh the 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 lobo yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that, that, like a was that we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. You got, yeah, there it is. And <laughs> I would say you look like a damn sloth. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take uh, it. Okay, but no, like literally, like the, the how Flamingo came upon was it was it was high school. That was my co- coach Michael Sauer. And at the time, of course, you know, in high school everybody's weird. Like, so I was all legs, no upper body. Like I didn't have nothing. And, like, literally, he was like, you look like a flamingo because at the time I was long jumping and I was high jumping. And the thing was, flamingos don't really fly. They just jump really far. They just jump. That's how they get around. It looks like they're flying, but they jump. So that's how flamingo came. And then, like, my at name was flamingo in high school. I get to college, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to, you know, change it. So let's just keep it moving. And I, so I just stuck with flamingo. And now flamingo is starting to blow up and everything. So it's just one of the things now we just – Keep it rolling. Not gonna change it. Yeah, I'm gonna change my at to sloth now. I think that'll be the appropriate um, thing. Maybe that'll that'll not help not out me. with my my following. <laughs> DM sloth or something. I don't know. I'll figure DM it out. Sloth. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we're gonna move a little bit into NCAA's. Um, and also, like, you're our first sprint podcast guest, and like, definitely not our last because we're obviously both distance runners, but. Like, there's such a huge world of sprinting. So I guess this is a question that we're going to ask later, but it's we're kind of on the conversation. And so it's like for hurdling, what's like one or two technical elements of a race that you tend to focus on? Because like distance running, where we're largely based off of how the race responds, like yeah. whether you're going to kick at a certain point or what, but you're all on this this bunch. So what's like a technical element, I guess, for distance runners to learn from you in terms of hurdling? Um, For hurdling, man, it's... It's all about the start. I mean, I hate to say it as it's, it's generic, but it literally is. If you execute from the blocks to hurdle one and you just translate all that speed down the track, then you have nothing to worry about. And, then, like, the biggest thing is, is, you know, the start and then, you know, being able to stay away from barriers. You know, you don't want to get too close. This is the problem I have. I get too close to the barrier, and then that's how I end up slowing down at the end because I'm just bringing way too much speed and I'm not keeping my distance like I'm supposed to, you know. But when you get too close, that's when you, it seems like you're slowing down, but you're just – that's a defense mechanism for you not to fall. You start to get too close, and then that's when you just start going over and not going through. So, like, really, it's just a start and just able just to hold your technique. You know, everybody has a strong suit. You know, Daniel Roberts' strong suit is he's a great finisher. You know, he can he can keep going and he's going to try to make up as much ground at the end as he can. And then like my 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 strong suit is my start. I'm fast. I got speed. So everybody just has, you know, something that they're really, really, really good at. And, you know, for each person is really different. Do you do you um, film practice as well or do you just watch film? Uh, Every 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 practice is filmed. Every every set, every rep, everything's filmed. So. 
from you know regular warm-ups with your flats to the last set all out out of the blocks everything's filmed do you hire someone to do that or do you just set cameras up um usually we have uh, assistant coaches or managers to to help us film and you know right now it's kind of hard so like coach holloway is kind of coaching behind the ipad and he's just you know moving along with it but usually like before COVID came upon us it was just, you know, we have a, a one of the managers on the track team record. Coach Holloway's in the background, basically giving off cues. So then when we watch the film again, we can realize the cues he said in our head. And then we can just kind of translate that into the next rep or really the next day. Right. OK. So when it came to racing, you know, Daniel Roberts and, and you guys had some sort of, you know, media rivalry. And, you know, that was bringing out the best out of each both of you, to be honest. And you guys were racing incredibly. And then, you know... Can you describe if the mental preparation changes, the more intense the race gets? So if you're racing him versus racing a conference race or the world championship final, how your mental preparation changes? Yeah, I, I would say my preparation is all the same. You know, every race, I hate to say it, if yeah. it's against Daniel, if it's against you guys, it doesn't matter what race I'm going to do. You know, everything got to stay the same. So you know, of course, you know, when you get to higher situations like world champs, NCAAs, you know, you get to those big races, it feels like you got a little bit more pressure on you. But, you know, the thing is, you got to wake up the next day, you got to brush your teeth, you got to put on your uniform. And, you know, everybody puts their uniform on the same way, one leg at a time. I never met, I never met a, a motherfucker <laughs> that jumped into his uniform. If, if, I, if I meet someone <laughs> like that, then I need, I need to make sure that I lose to him the next day. <laughs> but you know what I mean? We all we all human. We all guys. You know, we all put our pants on the same way. So I, my thing is, when that when it's that case, I have nothing to fear. If I put in the you know the preparation mentally, physically, emotionally, then everything you know, regardless if I win, lose, or draw, you know, the thing is, you live to fight another day. That's yeah, true. You're right. Have you ever, uh, you know, ran through some hurdles, eat shit, and then just you know, it's still happy yeah, about I the felt, day. I felt a couple times at practice and I kept it on wraps, but like, the thing <laughs> is, like you, you figure out what, what motivates you, what gets you going. And you know, you, you hop back out there the next day and you try not to get denied again. You, uh, you, uh, prompted a race between us. Well, I'll let you know, I'll talk a whole lot of shit on the start line to try to get in your head. Um, doubtful it will work because once I, the gun goes off, I won't be able to make it over a hurdle. Um, <laughs> It, what's a what is the starting blocks like you know because in doha um it was yeah. very different for the starting line for both of you because josh was on like a lane or in in a line with other guys where you're just like it's pitch black in doha you're standing yeah. in your nah, shoe dude yeah the, these sprinters got like the best intro yeah in you got the intro was weak as fuck all these lights <laughs> It was so cool, and then I was like, I was so, I was so excited. I was like, I'm lane one. I'm gonna be like the one of the first guys that gets this crazy intro. Nothing. We get absolutely none of these like light shows that they were gonna go hey, for these guys. I, I fully me. agree, man. I mean, like in Doha, it was, it was different. Of course, you had the light show. You're standing in there. I was, I was nervous for the light show because that's when I was like, shit just got real. <laughs> now, like you know, at, even at like nationals, it was like, uh, lane. Five, I don't remember the lanes, but it was like lane five, Daniel Roberts. Bah. And lane six, Grant Holloway. And when I tell you when the when the starter held up the gun and said, on your mark, I mean, like, I have never heard a stadium get so quiet ever in my life. I mean, like, you could literally hear 
if someone would have dropped their phone or pencil or or anything, you would have heard it. It was quiet. And then when that gun goes off, all you hear is an uproar. And it's like, all right, I got to be the first one to the finish line. Mm. Yeah, no. I, and, and this is a question that I've, I've always wanted to ask someone someone that's been as consistent as you have because this is something that hit me quite hard in the NCAA where it went from a switch in my NCAA career from the joy of winning the race to yeah. just the relief of winning because yeah. it was expected is that was that ever a, a situation that happened to you yeah I, I mean you know from experience we we both sat up there during that press conference and it was basically like oh if Grant doesn't if Grant doesn't score X, Y, and Z amount of points, then Florida can't win. You know, and like my mm-hmm. thing was, it's I didn't want, I don't want to say it's true because I had teammates that always had my back, like Clayton Brown, uh, AJ McFarland, uh, Justin Pacifico. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But like the thing was, is like regardless, even if I didn't perform the way I did, I always knew at the end of the day, this doesn't, you know, this doesn't define who I am. So like and, and you know when we first when we first both won our first NCAA titles it was fun it was it was just fun mm-hmm. and then when you win so much the norm gets put on your back saying okay he's gonna win and someone has to get second or I gotta do this and this is gonna happen the thing is like you know at that point you know it's a lot of media everything's just running but then at the same time you just gotta what I had to do is remind myself is, okay, why am I doing this? You know, why am I here? I'm not here because it's my job. Like, this is before, of course, I'm sponsored now and everything, but at the time, it's, I'm, this is not my job. Like, I'm here on scholarship basically to have fun, you know? And that's when I had, I had to get it out of my head. It was 2019. I think I was like indoor SECs. I was like, I got to get out of my head that I don't even if I don't win, this is this doesn't define who I am. At the end of the day, God defines me who I am and you know how I treat people, how I talk to people, how I carry myself, that really defines me how I am, not because I didn't make it to the finish line first. So it was just one of those things that I really had to like grasp and just like I had to really just swallow my pride and say, Okay, if I don't win, what's gonna happen? Like and everything was fine, man. I mean, I ended up losing to Daniel Roberts at um, outdoor SECs. And then, like, at regionals, I felt like I needed that because, like, I was like, okay, everything is off my shoulders now. And it's like, okay, I can be a normal person. Like, I don't need to have this norm on my back saying, okay, he got, he's got to win. He's got to win. Yeah, this is a two-part then off of what you're just saying. Um, talking about the pressures. Well, not so much pressures because we do what we do because we love it. And, like, with, like, the media and the things like that. Um, we're coming out here and it's our names, right? It's the names on the start line. It's Grant Holloway, David Ribich, Josh Kerr. It's not like Golden State Warriors or the Portland Trailblazers, you know? Yeah. It's like it's your name and it's your um, entity. And so there is some like weird personal level of track and field where like you are exposed and you do have to kind of like live up to your name in terms of what you want to represent yourself. And I think how we handle that off the starting line and how we represent that off the start, uh, off the finish line is, is really what the message is going to be sent out. And so you said you lost to um, Daniel Roberts at um, reg- or at SECs. Is that right? SECs? I'm yeah, not yeah, a D1 yeah. guy. I don't follow these whole yeah, conference. Yeah. Humbo jumbo, you know, D2 great guy. Northwest athletic conference, GNAC represent. Um, so <laughs> you're, let's talk about USA's and you get second to Daniel or third at USA's second, is, second, second, second yeah, to yeah, Daniel. Yeah. yeah. Did that same thing happen then going into the world championships? Was, was that monkey off your back? 
No, I would definitely say the monkey was off my back because I literally, I tell everybody this now, I hit like a mental, physical, emotional, like I just hit a wall because I've been grinding so much from July, I think I started my training. So yeah. you think July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. I think trials was in July, I guess. Yeah. And then you keep going. Yeah, yeah you got to keep going. So I literally went from July to October. So at some point, I hate to admit it, but I was going to hit some type of fatigue wall. Like, yeah. And if I if I did it, then yeah, Usada's going to be coming knocking. <laughs> yeah. But like the thing was, like I hit that wall at USA's, and then I hit it again in Paris. Like I think at USA's around like thirteen twenty seven, and then Paris around like thirteen twenty two, barely making across the finish line. So like at that when I got the worlds, I felt like I was like, look, I ain't got nothing to lose. I already signed. I already signed my contract. I already got the collegiate record. Um, I'm happy. My family's doing good. It's like, what do I got to lose? I'm not the defending champion. And it's like, what do I have to lose? So like I literally went in there with no worries. And like the thing was, if you look back on any of those races, every time I got in the blocks, I was smiling just because it was like, yo, it's a blessing to be here. I'm, uh, I got a free trip out of this. Like, let me enjoy this. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And let's talk trips, too, because we talk about the pressures of the season and the things that go on for, like, those extended periods of time. In 2018, we did research, man. You took your family to Cancun. Did you do anything in 2019 crazy exciting to uh, kind of celebrate the last, what was it, like uh, 16 Can months? Cancun was, I mean, not Cancun. Cancun was 2018, so 2019. No, I didn't really do much because I ended the season in October. I took all of October off. Like, around November, I started training, and then, like, on Thanksgiving, my, my aunt was diagnosed with breast cancer, so I was kicking it with her, and then, what, December was the Bowerman. I think that was, like, my true celebration. I won yep. the Bowerman, and then afterwards, I was just kind of, like, just kicking it, and then January came, and I started season back up, so I really didn't really do much to celebrate it, rather than just go home, hang out with friends. Like, I mean, like, I popped some champagne in my yard, but, like, I didn't really do... <laughs> Nothing like, you know, I didn't go out of town. I didn't do any of that other crazy stuff. So Adidas, man, that's what I want to know more about. I want to know more about, you know, you know, when you when you sign as a sprinter, it's very different to, to any, anyone else we've spoken about who's signing as a distance athlete. Because as a distance athlete, the, the norm is to sign with a group or sign with something like that. But when you're signing as a sprinter, it's more you sign with a company and you can kind of do a bit more about what you want to do specifically and who you want to be coached by and who you want to hire. So I want to know about like, you know, who did, who did you hire in, in the process of signing um, to be part of your team and, 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 you know, have people around you that has made all this success possible. Grant Holloway empire. Yeah. That yeah, shit sounds good too, Dave. But like my thing was during the season, I kind of just, I figured out which agency I was going to go with. And, and like now I'm with stellar, stellar athletics based out of long, in London. So then from there, they did all the dirty work. Like I don't, if, if, you're asking like how I did it. I literally met up with uh, Ramon Clay, John Regis. They talked to my family. I also talked to Emmanuel Hudson, Hudson out of HSI. Um, Christian Coleman signed with them. Uh, Michael Norman signed with them. So like you know, I talked with different agents, agencies, and agents. And then like really, Stellar Athletics is the one that stuck out. And then like I signed. I basically told them that I was gonna be with them. All I did was just grind on focusing on one ten hurdles. And the time spoke for itself. I got my contract. Adidas was like, okay, we'll give him X, Y, and Z. Nike said, we'll piss on his bed and probably give him a shit on a stick. So I was like, okay, whatever. 
So I went for Adidas, and then afterwards it was just, you know, I built this relationship with everybody there, and honestly, like, I'm glad I'm with Adidas. Like, even now, they still check up on me, and it's not like they're treating me like a like a piece of trash or like, okay, like, he's a component to our us making money. It's like, no, like, like let's let's put the business aspect to the side of it and actually check up on the man's well-being, see how he's doing, see how his family is, see how his training's going. Like you know, they take the time to ask all those tough questions that not every every business asks. And you know, the biggest thing is is like, yeah, it's business, and yeah, they say, okay, Grant, this is what the contract says. I'm sorry, and it, but it's like the thing was if they literally said if you can run, we suggest you run. If you can't, then we'll figure something else out. So, like, my thing is, like, Adidas take care of their athletes, and I'm not going to be the one to boast and brag about it, but, like, I feel like some agencies don't take the, the necessary steps to do that. And I think the biggest thing is, is if you have athletes that are happy to represent you, you're going to have happy athletes to go out there and get on the track. So, yep. You're right. Yeah, for sure. No, what, what's um, so when, so when, you know, you're still with the same coach, uh, do do Adidas pay them or does that come straight from your, um, your purse? How does that yeah, work when it, you sign? You, I, it, it, I think it's twofold. So Adidas does pay them, but then like it's like something in my contract that says that they're going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z for this coach or they're going to do something for this person. So it, it's all just the logistics inside the contract. Yeah. So are you saying then Brooks um, and the short shorts and money didn't offer enough? Are you saying Brooks wasn't good enough then for so a, they a said sponsor? Give me, they said they'd give me a bag of Skittles and some Legos to play with. <laughs> That's similar to what Josh got then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Something like that, dude. Something yeah, so like Brooks <laughs> Brooks integrates us um, into the company. Like, we do internships with them in the fall when there's really nothing going on. And, like, like Josh was in – I don't know what you're in financing. I was with the social media department helping run, like, the actual social channels. How has like Adidas then already integrated you into um, their company? Because from what it seems like Adidas is very big on, um, it's like, what is it? Born to create or here to create? Yeah, yeah. Hometown, here to create, you know, all that funky stuff. Now, that stuff is, I leave that to them. But like with yeah. me, my job for Adidas, of course, I'm Grant. I'm very outgoing. I talk, I'll say whatever I feel like. And if it's good, I'll still deal with the repercussions. If it's bad, I'm still dealing with the repercussions. But like, it's just one of the things where it's just like, you know, I don't, like, I care what I say, but, like, I don't really care. So it's just one of the things now. It's just, you know, they use me for commercials. They use me for photos. Um, the other, like, a couple months ago, they had me on my, I don't want to necessarily say the cover, but they had, like, multiple athletes on the cover doing, like, workout stuff to basically donate money to all the COVID stuff, COVID relief and all yep. that good stuff. So, like, you know, they just use me in however any way. Like, if they need someone smiling, athletic to, you know, model their, their stuff, they're going to most likely reach out to me. Cause or Noah. Yeah, Noah. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just playing. No, 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 no. You are absolutely right. Noah's a different animal. <laughs> yeah. Like, Noah is just someone else. But, you know what I mean? Like, they're just going to reach out to whoever. And, basically, if they feel like this person's fit for the job, they'll make, they'll make sure they, they reach out to them. Yeah. I mean, like. It it is cool though to see like you you and Noah do have like a positive personality and like positive um, effect on like the future generation of sprinters and athletes that are looking into track and field. Like um, your guys' personalities are so unique to where I do feel like um, showcasing that um, is what's going to make the sport grow. Like Noah has no problem talking about anime and and going crazy with his hair for a race, and it's just like you you've got everything going on your social and like Rose Collectives as well. Like those are yeah. things that like you get to integrate into your own um self-worth and things and so um if you could do any event at a world championship what event would you want to do that you haven't already done 
Oh man, I would definitely say um, the four hundred. The either the four hundred or the one hundred. I think I'll um, I'll be I'll be decent in. I don't want yeah. to say I'll win. And I'll say I'll say in the order, I'll say four hundred, one hundred, then long jump. I think those are my top three. Yeah, yeah, because you did long jump as well then in in college, right? Correct. Yeah. Um. So then. Yeah, we, we won't we won't get into any more history stuff. We actually want to start getting into some uh, some more ever famous things on our own podcast. So, Josh, you're going to do a, a little explanation here, correct? Yeah. So, you know, we do some research on you and we like to roast whoever's on first world champion. So we thought we'd go a little bit harder on you here um, just because it's just this is the way this podcast works. Nice, nicely bring out your personality and see how you respond to some of this, some of this stuff. So, you know. There's only eight people in a world final for for 110 hurdles. Does that mean it's easier to win? I'm guessing so, right? I would think so. After you survive and advance two rounds. <laughs> you know, the same as every other event you see. So, you know, it, you know, I'm just saying, you know, it's a technical event. But if you've only got eight there, then you only really need to beat seven people. And I think I beat seven people in my final, and I didn't win. So, you know, I should have picked the the hurdles, I guess. You should have spent. You should- Dude, you can imagine me on the hurdles? That would be great. <laughs> so, what's the orders and order of importance in your uh, in your kind of uh, like if you're Instagram. if you're putting everything on a shelf, you know, if you're a world champ, American record holder, and a Barman winner, what what would be what would be where? Mm. Um, world champ. Um. Uh... World champ America, you had it right. World, I'll do that. I'll do that order. World yeah. champ America, American record holder, Bowman winner. Yeah, Bowman. All right. Okay. Yeah, good then because that so. seems like what it is also on your um Instagram bio because then it goes Katie Rose Gang Collectives and then Adidas running. Is that also your order of importance? Because yes, I'm a love man. You know, I'm absolutely. a love man too. We talk about relationships on the pod. <laughs> this isn't really a part where we roast you. Um, this is a part where I get to talk about being love. Um, is awesome and and Josh shakes his head. Yep, he shook his head. Typical. Um, so this is a, a little segue out of the banter bowl. We'll come back in. How did you meet Katie? I mean, you guys seem seem in love. I mean, I love these stories. Um, I met Katie. <laughs> I met Katie at a <laughs> so in college you gotta wash your clothes. I met her in the in the laundromat. Nice. I was actually talking to one of her teammates at the time. Saw her and I was like blah blah blah. One thing led to another. Um, I was actually in the friend zone for like six months, six, seven months. And then finally I, I got up out of the friend zone. Like literally it was like after my first national title outdoor. Mm, I got so up out the friend zone. The title. Yeah, I had, all I had to do was win. I had to, I had to, I had to win and get a new phone. <laughs> so yeah, she saw the potential. And mate. then uh, we, we, we started talking and I've been dating her ever since August, August 2nd, 2007. You have been together more than a decade? Okay. I was like, damn, you're in college <laughs> for a long years? time, really milking out that education. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize you were doing your laundry at the laundromat at 10 years old. Exactly. I was like, oh. <laughs> okay, I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, I met a girl uh, my freshman year of college in the laundromat. We dated for a month. Um, and then I broke up with her a day before Valentine's Day. So I'm glad there's success on both ends. And David is a savage when it comes to that women. That man is a savage. He said, I ain't buying you no, no yeah, more. Yeah, I, was, I mean, line for line, line for line, I said, I don't want any uh, fake emotion going into this day that's so, like, fabricated with love. Like, I, I don't want to say I love you. because I fabricated, literally. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so um, we're going to go back into the banter bowl. Um, I just need my little love dose for the day because, um, you know, I'm happily with my girlfriend of four years. I don't need to go into my story. Yeah, um, <laughs> every podcast, bro. She's a great woman, but it needs to stop. Um, but we're going to go back into the, the banter bowl. So um, track and field and any other um, sport like football always gets heat. Like Max Kellerman came out on ESPN that one time and said that track and field athletes are failed football players. However, you played football and were not a failure at all. Um, what what do you what do you say to that? SMD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, I don't think he could have gone pro and really anything other than and run in his mouth, and that's why he's on ESPN. Yeah. Hey, uh-huh. life is good for him, man. Life yeah, is that's good. true. That is true. He gets to talk shit about athletes and not back up anything he has to say. Yeah. <laughs> you um. So you know the the funny thing I saw once was uh you know you have this like six day little time between NCAA's and or a couple of weeks between NCAA's and and USA's where you sign a contract and this and that and you're able to sign an agent negotiate contract deal and create a promotional video all in within six days. So it must have been a pretty pretty. Pretty quick six days for you, or else you were going against some NCAA violations there. So what, what do you have to say for yourself? Um, I would say there was no rules broken at the time. Um, I allegedly turned pro after the 4 by 4 and that's mm-hmm. when everything started. Nice. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josh signed after me, so once he saw I signed with Brooks, it was a done deal, and so his decision was made uh, pretty easy. That's why um, you took all the money, Josh. Uh, well, you yeah, know, he, he just left with the bag of Skittles, like you said. So bag of uh, Skittles, bag of Skittles, and Legos. <laughs> um, what uh, what program has like the best legacy for the NCAA? Tennessee, Oregon, Florida, LSU, Houston, or USC? There's, it was a long list. It was a long list, but uh, Tennessee, Oregon, uh, Florida, LSU, Houston. USC like what 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 would actually even not none of those listed what what NCAA program has the best legacy is probably I would say, I, I would say Florida right I yeah. mean I, I would think Florida but I'm not I, this is only because I know our history and of yep. course I know USC had Reggie Bush Oregon hit the three-peat and had uh Dave Bowerman whatever the, his name his yeah. was I would say either Oregon or Florida yeah yeah, and I would agree. I would agree with you too, actually. Um, like Florida, I was doing some research on the university has like over 150 Olympians, um, either alumni or present like students when they were at the university. So, with the university coming out with 150 Olympians, I mean those are overall sports, but that's a significant number. Like that, it ranks them in the top of um, collegiate programming for Olympic um, athletes. So. I would agree with you there. Um, and if you, obviously added, Oregon, if you add in Western Oregon into the Oregon kind of scenario where you get D2 and D1 plus a David yeah. Ribich with a, all the NCAA titles, I, I see I see Oregon doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely helped out in that. Uh, you know, I practically had the NCAA Division One record. So, um, yeah, I would say, yeah, still Florida. But Oregon did have that deep pocket um, with Nike. So I do feel like their their recruitment and their, um, their yeah, ability to help, help them out a lot. So, Bought for a pair of shoes. That's the next question. <laughs> All right, yeah, the next question. So you came out in a podcast as well, um, Grant, and said you want a statue of yourself um, at the field in Gainesville. I don't know. There's some pretty high names like Christian Taylor, Will Clay. I don't know if they're on like a, a list uh, ahead of you or whatever. But what would your uh, statue um, be? Yeah, like, what's your you reasoning, be? dude? Give yeah, us, what's give my us, reasoning? Give us your... So it's two. Um, I love 
Danny Wolfolk, Tim Tebow, Steve Spurrier, all three of them won the Heisman. Okay. Yeah. You got Marquise Dendy, who won the Bowerman, which is basically the highest in the track and field. And then you got Grant Holloway, who won the Bowerman. So that's my reasoning behind it. And uh, uh, don't get me wrong, Christian Taylor is an absolute GOAT. I love Sponsored it. You by Tiger Ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then at the same – well, I actually – I personally think Christian Taylor was cheated out of a Bowerman in 2012, I think. Yeah. I think it was 12. I think he got cheated out of a Bowerman, but that's none of my business. But this should definitely be three track and field statues between Christian Taylor, Marquise Dendy, and Grant Holloway. Yeah. You yeah, could what, maybe what morph into one person. Yeah, well, yeah, you could just do one big that one. That is like perfectly hide. fine with me. Give me Christian Taylor's superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> It'd just be your short shorts on there. Yeah, that's all I need. That's all I need, baby. <laughs> Would you be a, an action statue, or would you be more like a standing still with your arms crossed? Um, probably standing still with my arms crossed. I like that one. That that picture slash gif slash meme at the end of one ten hurdles. Give me that one. Like it. What um? So you know, we we did a bit of research into your Rose Gang collection stuff, and you know, when I first went on it, I was like, bloody hell, all of these are sold out. Are you buying your own gear? Or, like, who's buying it? <laughs> it just goes fast, man. It just goes fast. <laughs> you do all of that stuff by yourself, or what? Yeah. So I have actually have a business partner. Um, me and um, my best friend CJ. Um, it literally started out. If you just go on your phone and you go through the the rose uh the rose emoji, it just started out as that. Because me and him was just commenting that. So, like, basically, say you post, like, a dope picture. Instead of me saying, oh, man, this is a nice picture, I just leave a rose. And I just kept leaving roses, roses, roses. And people started catching on to it. So then my boy CJ came up to me, and he was like, bro, we didn't make this on a shirt. So Sick. I think, like, two, three years to go down the line, and then we're just like, okay. And then, like, after Worlds, like, we really, like, focused in on and locked in on it. So, like, we put money aside, both of us. We, you know, started buying shirts. I think we did we did 15 to 30, and then after 30, we were like, look, let's just go ahead and bite the bullet. So then we did 15 to 30 to 120, and now it's just it's going fast. Like, we, we're starting to evolve to uh, – we got stickers, crop tops, tank tops, dry fit shirts. Well, not dry fit, performance shirts. Now, I can't say dry fit because that's Nike. But, like, we're just going through so much stuff, and, like, it is really taking um, it's taking I don't want to say it's taking a hit, but like people are really liking it. So like we got to keep producing more and more. Yeah. It's just like the it's like the, uh, the the needs of supply and demand. So like now coming up soon, we're gonna have tie dye. We're gonna have um on on with all this as you know uh peaceful protests and everything going on. We're gonna have like ch- uh, changes coming or changes gonna happen. I forgot what the logo or motto we were gonna say, but. We got so much stuff going on, and you know it's gonna be good. I'm happy for it. Yeah, no, that that is cool. I mean, this is kind of a weak, uh, weak banter bowl because we're getting real serious on a lot of topics. But that's all right. We don't want to roast you too hard. Exactly. We want to keep you too keep, hard. Keep your head big, you know, with going on everything going on. But um, it is cool that you got the the rose collectives, and like Josh and I have this podcast, and so it's like we are in a position where we have the ability to put efforts into things that we want to create and um we're getting into the merchandise as well so as we roast you we're also taking notes and saying okay t- we got tie-dye we got um we got to get tank tops we, we got our sticker sent out so maybe maybe once we get merch we'll pair up some of the sit and kick podcast merch with a, hey, a roast collectives to two lucky we're always people willing to, we're always willing to work with anybody yeah when are yeah. you when are you going to come out with a shirt that says say less dude <sighs> 
You just look, hey, let me let me take my notes right now. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm gonna say is like, so you still said that to me the first time, and like I saw it, and I was like, do I need to say less things? Like, does he not want me to say things? But I didn't get it. And you you were on a you were on a Xbox with one of our teammates, Henry Wynn. He was like, yeah, he just says that. It's like a it's just like a, one of the things. I was like, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Henry, so said, we played we played a uh, Warzone. We caught a dub. Yeah, he's a good guy. I love Henry. Yeah. yeah, dude, he gets very passionate about the Xbox, about yeah. about Warzone for sure. He says you're good though. <laughs> yeah, I win. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Josh actually, he he screenshotted the say less. He's like, dude, look at me, I'm in. Grant loves me, man. He said say less to me. We're 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 part of something. Yeah, so it's all this say less, man. I might I might bring up my own say less shirts. Hey, just before look, you do. If I do it, I'll make sure I give you a big old shout out, Josh. Thank you very <laughs> much, sir. Um, so we're gonna finish up a few more bantable questions, and then um, we're gonna get into a little closing segment of it all. But um, are the parties in Florida the main reason you stayed? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That, no, you no. Win, hey, if you win or if you play football, you can do anything you want. Love it. That's, that's very true. So, uh, what's with wearing a fancy ass watch for races if you aren't going to at least get the split when you finish? See, the thing is, I, I I abandoned the watch because at one point I had broke my watch at the at the start of a race. So then afterwards, I was just like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and leave this watch here on the ground and. <laughs> That was you got that. a Rolex sponsorship yet, or what? Yeah, I need I need Rolex to sponsor me. If I get a Rolex, look, everybody getting a Rolex, like Oprah Winfrey said. <laughs> um, did you have to Google either of us to figure out who you're going to be talking to on the podcast? Nah, that, nope. <laughs> well, appreciate nope, that. I knew yeah, both of awesome. you guys. So life is life is amazing for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're hoping for I a know, roast there. I know he's a big. I know he's a big sit and kick listener dude i know i know this is his go-to his go-to podcast yeah, when it comes out so i'm like let me get my city kick podcast going right now <laughs> awesome um yeah so i guess like typically like that's all the the, the banter bowl questions we have towards you um at the end of the banter bowl we typically let the guest if he has or she has any banter of their own that they want to throw at the host because we take a good amount of time ripping into you um, maybe you didn't have it prepped or whatever, but if you have anything you wanted to, to roast in our direction, um, yeah, the, the, the spotlight is yours. He's already told me that I only earn Skittles and Legos every year. So, I mean, I'm already sitting here just well, quaking you, in my, 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 my mouth. Uh, like what I'm going to say is it's not even joking, but like the thing is, thank you, you know, you boys for taking the time out of you guys' day. You know, I feel bad for Josh because Josh was in the hot seat. Like, let me contact Grant. And, like, I barely checked my Instagram messages. So, like, Josh was like, hey, can you can you, can you let me know if you're going to make it? Can you make it? He sent, like, three or four messages. But, like, and he's I just coming out saying, say less. Yeah. I'm like, I will, dude, if you just answer my fucking <laughs> question. <laughs> no, but my thing is, I appreciate you boys, man. This was this was awesome. You know, I with everything going on, man, it's it's fun to be able to, you know, do this and have a good time. All right, Grant, typically at the end of the episode, we let the guest name the episode. I'm going to say three, two, one. And then whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and hit the at, hit the name of the, the podcast episode. And that's what the people will see. So Grant, when you're ready, I'll count you down. Bada bing, bada boom, hit me. All right, three, two, one. This is Sitting Kick with Grant Holloway at Rose Gang Collective. Beautiful.
BEA beautiful. Yeah, then that's beautiful. that's a wrap, Grant. We beautiful, we thank babe. you for coming on. Oh um, yeah. And being the uh, the best NCA record holder we've had on the podcast. Um so Oh get tired. Florida Junior Grant Holloway, remember he's the twice defending champion. Once in a lifetime athlete to come through your program. He reminds me of some of the great technicians. And in his first world championship appearance, 21-year-old American Grant Holloway. The blinding start. The young American is out ahead of the Olympic champion and world champion. Grant Holloway at 21. Can he hang on? Grant Holloway is a world champion. On the view. How about that? Holloway's go right. He sets off around the Khalifa Stadium. Grant Holloway for the USA.